All right, Marky. Do you like beer? Do you like the rock and roll, Marky? Well, we have just a guest for you. He is the brand manager at Community Beer Works. He is also in the band Laszlo Hollyfeld and TV Mountain. And his name is Chris Groves. Welcome to License to Talk, Chris Groves. Hey, guys. How are you? Chris, Chris is another one of those guys. And we, we meet a lot of them, Marky. They know a, a lot. And, <laughs> and he's a rock and roll guy and he's a beer guy. And I think that's right up our alley. What's going on, Chris Gross? Oh, God, I don't know. There's It's it's always something. It's different every day, really. You guys remember <laughs> shit about me that I have no idea that even happened. Yeah, oh, my God, the weirdest shit. Don't even get into okay. it. Chris is, of course, a graduate of Bishop Time in 1999. And your college career, Chris? Uh, I did one semester at Fredonia. Uh, I left there with a .3 GPA. <laughs> wasn't um, for you, huh? It wasn't for me. Um, I did a little bit of ECC. I went there for a uh, graphic design program, and uh, I did not finish. I just said, you know what, school's not for me. Um, I haven't had a uh, student loan payment since 2004-ish, 5-ish, something like that. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, so I think it it afforded me uh, a lot of uh, instruments. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a yeah. I, I just kind of gave up on it. it. It didn't it didn't suit the way I like to learn. I didn't like to actually be um, instructed on things that I didn't really think were going to be valuable later in my life. So. And you were right, weren't you? Well, I, I'm. The weird thing is, is like I'm I'm in a position right now that I was in a broad communications program at Fredonia. I didn't know what that meant at the time. Um, I did a little bit of schooling for graphic design. That's what I do as a profession now. And my one of the first things my, my professors there at, uh, at ECC, um, I believe uh, Pat Mullins, um, we'll, we'll tie him into the beer real quick after this, uh, but he was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what is on your on your diploma where you come from i mean to to a certain extent yes it does but um if you have the work ethic and you have uh the good work behind it people are going to pick you up because they see talent i mean it's it's a visual program right i mean you can't not see it right so um i i took that to heart i was like yeah if i don't need schooling for this i'm i'm going to totally go and do freelance work which i did freelance work um, I rolled that into a job uh, that I was at for a very, very long time um, in Buffalo at, at Consumers Beverage. And and Marky, who was the creative director at Consumer Beverage 2001, Chris, that the beer craze hasn't started yet, right? It, it was um, it, it, it happened in the late 90s, honestly. So there was a beer craze that had already happened. And in 2001, it kind of was at a lull. So... Um, my my first job in the beer industry was in 1997. So I started working uh, part time at Triad Distributing in '97. My dad was my boss. Um, <laughs> he got me a job there. I worked in the warehouse. Uh, I was slinging empties off of uh, off of beer trucks, and repacking breakage and loading keg trucks, doing anything that anybody kind of didn't want to do. Was second shift warehouse work. Um, I didn't really get the the like front facing like sales position or anything i didn't i never wanted to do that but i think that's what uh that what that's what helped me along to uh to get to consumers so i started there with a forklift license which when you're 19 years old not many people have so, i bet your kids don't have them this day and age marky yeah <laughs> but but at that time yeah you're right um the uh the the craft beer uh craze or revolution whatever you want to call it was uh it was just in a lull that it hadn't, it hadn't really picked up yet. Um, at that time, the only operating brewery in Buffalo, uh, would have been flying bison. Um, so to tie it back quickly to, uh, my ECC days at, uh, at the graphic design program, um, Pat Mullins was the original, uh, graphic designer for all the, the labels for flying bison. He did their original logo, original website, and he would bring his projects that he was working on for the brewery into our classroom and show us this work. He was like, hey, listen, this is work I'm working on outside of work. And I think you guys might be interested in how I put these pieces together. So he let us pick these these pieces apart. And I was like, hey, I'm in the beer. 
like yeah. I, i'm from <laughs> South so, <Buffalo>. yeah <laughs> so uh, i asked him i was like what what's the deal with with flying bison um so i had uh i had him call down to the brewery um i started hanging around there for i don't know it was probably like three four months um i would just go down randomly and tim would have me wash kegs for maybe a growl or a beer when I left and it was just volunteer. He couldn't pay me. Um, that was like very young stages of flying bison. Like just one of the staples of the Buffalo craft beer. That's cool to hear that. Yeah. So that just got me like, like I just dove head in, head into it, head first into it. And, um, it was something that I was like, this is, this is something I can really, really relate to because I wasn't doing school. I was like, screw that sorry um and eventually i started doing stuff at uh at consumers i was a part-time kid working at the abbott road store in lackawanna um i mean i I say part-time but i was there 35 hours ish a week and that that job to this day is like my favorite job i've ever had (laughs) because it was it's seriously so fun you're 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 19 20 21 years old 21 year old kid and you're working with your absolute best friends. So uh, I worked there with Matt Whipshaw and Tim Canan. Um, Chris Ernst used to work there. Um, our friend Ben Jura used to work there. And just so many people like from the neighborhood who I happen to be friends with in, in high school. And you're like, you have the keys to a beer store. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, Jesus, what am I, what am I doing here? This is amazing. So. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a whole different time, but, um, yeah, uh, they, they gave me an opportunity seeing that I had started like writing, writing out signage and stuff and doing, um, doing artwork essentially in store. Um, so my, not my manager, my store supervisor, store supervisor at the time, uh, Tim Fallon, who's, who's since passed away. Uh, I think he, he passed in 2004. Um, he recognized that I had a, um, a some sort of visual talent that he wanted to use for the entire company. So once he passed away, that that idea kind of went away, but not fully. So a couple years after that, um, in 2006, uh, the first uh, growler filling station, uh, which is at 14 of the 17 current open locations of consumers, they put in taps so you could go fill growlers. So right. that was a relatively new thing to the area in Buffalo. Breweries had always been doing it. Um, it was an easy way to get beer home that if a brewery wasn't packaging beer, they were you were taking it home in a growler, and essentially you got the equivalent of four pints of beer. And um, they needed artwork for it. They needed beer descriptions for it. And there was a job that kind of created itself out of that. And I became the guy who... Um, who started doing all the artwork for it. The, the guy, the buyer, uh, John list who's, who's still there. Um, he was doing the artwork for it and he was like, he was proficient enough, (laughs) but, um, I stepped into that role and, uh, that was, that was kind of the, the start in like 2006 when I, I took over a, a heavy creative position at consumers. And how many ads do they run? Usually they run an ad every yeah, they they had a pretty uh, pretty dang good relationship with the uh, the Buffalo News, mm-hmm. um, almost weekly. Um, there was a full page Buffalo News ad. Uh, so many other publications. So I was doing all the advertising design, all the the in store signage, all of the um, the growler images, the uh, any sort of merch we had. Um, it eventually, like right now, if you see a tractor trailer going down the street, um, I have. I mean, in my portfolio, just, uh, I think eight full tractor trailers, the, uh, uh, there's three vans that I did. You're like uh, a beer rap. God. Chris like the, <laughs> he's like the graffiti guy. Yeah. It just pops up. I mean, um, it, it's really interesting to see yeah. the progress, how it's progressed. I yeah. mean, we're, we're and now, geez, it's, we're it's, drinking your beer. We're, we're drinking beer that you're <laughs> promoting right now. It's yeah. great. This is cool. So, yeah, I mean, my, my current position, I, I think. I don't know. I don't know why beer is is something I, I've always looked towards. Um, I, I was able to do a full rebrand on the Petty Bones in the ballpark. Every image you see on the walls in there was something out of my brain. So it really, yeah, That's yeah. So, so cool. I I did the entire rebrand for the Bison's, which 
Oh. I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> that's super yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So they did they did that when uh, when when Pettibones went away, and uh, that's something that I I hope that gets a little more exposure because that place is is pretty awesome in the ballpark to to have a craft beer focus in yeah uh, can anybody yeah, go up there a. yeah so you can go up there you take yeah. the elevator up i always thought that was off limits no go there go oh, have, i'll have be going beer. there go there before sabers game oh really yeah oh because i mean i think did you start like that little craft beer section at the pilot field thing like were yeah. you in charge of that that was su- super cool i i did the the awning design and the the logo design for for um God, what is it called? Craft Beer Corner. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Marky, is Chris Groves like the coolest guy that we've had on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it's amazing that we we line these guys up, we think we know them, <laughs> and then they sit down here and they're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great job, Chris Groves. Thanks, thanks. Well, keep it going. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and you're an artist, and so like you, you're a, in a band since you were 17 too. So, how does does the art coincide with that too? You have to brand bands, right? Isn't yeah. that a big thing? Like, I, I, I don't. I never took a focus on branding any sort of band I was in. I think there's people who do it a lot better. Um, I like, I like retail stuff. I like stuff you can sell, like products you can sell. There's like, there's also something totally different about branding a group of people and music. Um, I think it's a little too close and personal to me. I mean, beer is yes, close and personal to me, but I think it's like <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's really close it's and personal. Relation. Yeah, it's because d- you were in how many bands? It seems like you got a little God, personal. Maybe know. how many did you break up out of? <laughs> I yeah, I you know what? If if I'm not feeling it, I'm not doing it. So it's like. <laughs> I, it, that that may that may sound shitty to say, but like, um, that's that's how it is. Like, if if something's not working out, if you're not in a relationship, or it's like it's like seriously, it's like having if you're in a band with three or four other people, it's like having three or four other girlfriends at the oh, same yeah. time. And you're like, and you're telling your actual girlfriend, like, uh, I gotta go hang out with my other boyfriend girlfriends. Like, I know that's yeah. what we're doing right now. <laughs> I'm always worried whether Marky's mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, music had always had always been a part of us too, and um, I don't, I don't, I, I think the lack of a, a music program at our high school had a lot to do with what caused people to seek, uh, like a little That's bit. That's a of sub, great point. A little bit of subculture outside of uh, anything they were provided. Yeah. In, in their education so we didn't have a music program we didn't have a crew team we didn't have we didn't have shit really yeah. and <laughs> the year the year after <laughs> i graduated they they had like completely renovated yeah. the third floor did put in everything that would have been the awesome. reason why we're here right now is because of the third floor so yeah. i mean i benefited sure yeah, it's, it's a whole <laughs> right. other show <laughs> yeah okay well to to that point there there's so many people who i still interact with who are graduates of timon who have like a, a, a hand in a lot of like let's just call it indie music in buffalo oh sure so I, and these are people i still see regularly um phil friedenberg oh genius <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't even know <laughs> yeah nobody emma kinley knows about him yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, let, let just i could talk about phil all day yeah phil was the best hockey player in his age group really nobody knows that <laughs> and then they're like oh and then the guys that know that he played hockey they're yeah. like oh well what did he do after that oh i don't know he's uh writing theme music for a stupid reality show that you watch guys yeah. very successful <laughs> they yeah. don't even know over there yeah all right yeah. go ahead mark <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so there right. I, I think i think a lot of the reason to bring that point around again is that we had to seek stuff outside of what we weren't provided so i think playing in bands it was like a uh it was just something else to just like continue like being with your friends rather than at home or like rather than with your parents like oh what are we gonna do let's look at some music or like let's geek out on some records and then like let's learn how to play guitar and like sound like that band so even in even in high school um ray fulton and tim had blaine and brian was part of that um the the desire to do something and be punk this sounds stupid, but the the desire to be punk rock about it was like Yeah, yeah there. 
it just happened and we weren't we weren't thinking about it we were just we were thinking about like all we wanted to do is hang out and skateboard and listen to music and find a six pack of red dog that somebody else was gonna buy for us (laughs) (laughs) the simpler times yeah Yeah. like dude ranch came out and then it was just yeah that was it (laughs) of course yeah and yeah there's 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 foundational records that that we all lived and we lived those records yeah and they were they were hugely influential and right out of high school that was uh that was the first thing i did was i'd I I just wanted to play music. That's all I wanted to do. I think that's kind of what took my focus away from going to school, um, which I was like, I'm going to be in a touring band. So I did a little bit of that. Um, and you did that with the imports, right? I did, yeah. And the imports, no slouch. Or no. Big band. Yeah, see, like you guys influenced us. You guys making records, Ray making records, to Billy yep. making records, and then it came down to us because then we were like, Billy got in the mix with us, and he was yep. like, "I'll pro with it." Who was who were those people above you? Because you guys were the bo- guys above us. Well, the the people above me at the time were my friends, but m- like more influential to that to that aspect was my older brother, and just kind of looking up to him of like. He was he was a ridiculous skateboarder, like super good, mm-hmm. old school he, punk rocker. Yeah, he was he was he was a kid skating the mini park at the corner of Seneca and yeah. Kaz. Like, I was fortunate enough to to hang out and skate there, but now it's an old per- old folks' home, mm. which is fine, <laughs> it's totally fine. But uh, yeah, having the uh, having your old like an older brother figure who who listened to punk rock and listened to like suicidal tendencies and metallica and operation ivy and all these things you would hear late at night when he came home and he'd put on a skate video and skate videos were were huge in introducing new music to people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it right so i started listening to these records of course when he was at his job i was fumbling through his tapes like Mm -hmm. oh what is he listening to like cool and he finally gave in and like we would go to record theater on off days and he would go look for like beastie boys, Japanese releases. And, um, uh, he's a huge beastie boys fan. Um, uh, but it was, it was like looking up to him, I guess is, is, are the people above me. I never had like guys who I looked up to in a music scene because I was still like, eh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you guys, but I want to be around you. Uh, but there's 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 people I I meet and I'm friends with now who were part of that like the like the early '90s Mohawk place like there's people I know now regularly who I call my friends who were like part of that scene and I'm like yeah you're like 15 20 years older than me but you guys have as much appreciation for me as I do you which is kind of cool oh yeah yeah um so yeah that was uh talk talk about being on the warp tour with the imports. Uh well, we we traveled a little bit around the Warp Tour. We, we were fortunate enough to play um, probably six or seven dates one one summer, um, which was what kind of dragged us around the country doing it. Um, I remember playing in the middle of a, uh, a horse race track in uh, uh, Boston. Whatever, what what's a horse race track in in Boston, Massachusetts? I forget. They. I don't know. They decided to hold Warp Tour on the inner ring where there's no cover at all, no trees, no anything, and it happened to be like 102 degrees oh, that day. Man. Just ridiculous. Um, Cleveland, uh, Toronto, um, Houston. Um, wow. That's Tampa. Cool. Tampa, we were in. in were you guys the, in a bus? No. Were you in a van? You, no. We, you well, we were, in our, we were in our own van. We built a ramshackle uh, trailer and painted gigantic blue flames on it. <laughs> Your it was, first vehicle that it was you put a, a design on? It was a Chevy Astro van. <laughs> so the, one, of the, one of the kids who uh, was kind of the, the leader, I guess, was uh, our friend Kevin, who actually, our, our drummer at the time, who, who booked all of these shows. And God bless him for, uh, for booking all of that and doing all of the hard work that actually went into getting us dates. Um, Keith, uh, had Keith, our bass player, uh, who is, um, Keith Siegel. I don't know if you guys know Keith. He has uh St. Lawrence restoration company. Uh, he's co-owner of Acme cabinet company with Sean Rafter from Rafter built. Okay. Um, so there's, I, I see him regularly now and we always like 
joke around. Hey, remember remember that stupid band we used to be in? Um, <laughs> but I I even get recognized like by uh, guys at the Town Ballroom. So Artie and Donnie from Town Ballroom. Uh, Donnie always bugs my butt about like, remember you were in that shitty punk rock band? And um, that that first summer we opened for the Mighty Mighty Boss Towns at Thursday in the Square, which they had their biggest crowd ever. It was 25,000 people. And I'm standing there on stage, and my amp's not working, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'm standing in front of 25,000 people, and my guitar doesn't work. It's kind of dumb. But it was it was stuff like that that like totally was like, if I'm going <laughs> to... It gives you, it gives you like this drive to like continue to want to do that. And I think we we were afforded a lot of, uh, opportunity because that in that early 2000s, like pop punk was like a a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was making, making its way across the country and we were just trying to, trying to be a part of it. Wow. So it's amazing when you sit down. Yeah. 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 You're just bouncing around bands after that, Chris Groves, aren't you? Yeah, at at that point, I I had stopped and I was like, I'm I'm, I actually got a uh, a, a, a Yamaha electronic music se- sequencer in like 2002. I went to Guitar Center. I paid like 750 bucks for it, and I was like, this is uh, this is like my first major instrument purchase. So going to ECC at the time, I would put this thing in my backpack and make it look like I had books like I was going to school and I I I had I had uh I had Saturday classes and I'm like why the fuck did I choose to go to school on a Saturday this is really dumb so I would go into the library at ECC South I would stash myself up way in the corner bring a pair of headphones and for the entire day I would sit and learn this machine that I I had a vague idea of what it did but this became the core of a band that I became um that was uh sleeping kings of iona so we were in the like started listening to like mogwai that's about it (laughs) 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 like like, mogwai is everything so um that's when that's when we got into the the mix too and that that totally changes your your out view uh, your outlook on music too yeah well band you had a few bands like that right like sleeping kings of iona what was Catherine and Flight? Kathleen and Flight. Kathleen yeah. and Flight. We were what was first? Kathleen and Flight. Okay. So out of that, our drummer Matt from Kathleen and Flight uh, became the drummer for Iona. After a while, he I think he he went to uh, trucking school, and he left the band. Uh, and we met up with uh, my now piano and guitar player in TV Mountain, Mark Nozowitz, who has his studio out in orchard park um i've been in a band somehow or another with him since iona started or iona first recorded with him i'm sorry so there's there's just i did i did this graph one day about the association of uh harvest zone studios and all the bands and people who had been a part of it and i have a graphic that i i actually want to find and show how many how many bands were actually spawned out of out of this one little studio um, but uh, I'm off on a tangent now. No, but no. who who like but did anybody rise up to the top of it? Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, there were. I met Snow at Tosh Collins once. Why don't you go ahead? No, the tangent was good. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was like 2004, five ish. We all we all moved like my first. My first apartment after I moved out of uh, my parents' house in South Buffalo was on the west side. Uh, I moved in with Ray and Joe and um, our friend Ryan Ball and uh, two guys from Fredonia that we vaguely knew. And us three, as a, as a band, moved in together on the west side. And I've lived, I've lived on the west side since 2003. Oh, wow. Um, so that was my that was my introduction to like the the hip cool part of Buffalo and right. you, you just living living in that neighborhood you just meet a ton of people all the time. So um that also that also same time was the the introduction of uh the guys in Laszlo. So I knew I knew them. They used to go to import shows, which was really funny. Yeah, yeah. L- L- 
the band. And how long now, have they been around? They've been around before. I mean, before some of, most of those bands, right? They started in two thousand two, three ish. Okay. Those that don't yeah. know, Lazo Hollyfeld is an old neighborhood band, kind of. Yeah. And that Chris is now in. Mm-hmm. Chris plays the piano and the synthesizer. Um, but you can find them June twelfth, Marky, live at Larkin. They're the opening. You guys are opening up yeah, live at Larkin. We're kicking off the season. Um, uh, it was we were we were asked um, late December. Hey, do you want to do you want to do one of the shows? And we said, yeah. Uh, we didn't have a date yet, so we 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 nailed it on the uh, the opening opening day, June twelfth. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now a lot of people don't know the original name of that band. I know these guys. Is Rocco Mediate after the golfer, and uh-huh. now tell them what Lazlo Hollyfeld is. People might not know how you, how they got the name for that. So the name from that comes from a character from a movie called Real Genius. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know who whose love affair with that movie it was that <laughs> it came out, but um, yeah, two guys in that band were also time and graduates. Um, Scott Malloy, hey dude, what's up? Um, I eventually ended up living with with Scott Malloy for a year and a half in North Buffalo when I needed an apartment. Thank you. That was awesome. Um, and Brian Enright, who was part of the, the – he was our manager for a while. He went on tour. Um, it, it's, it, it's such an incestuous place. Like, And we <laughs> – Everybody is like two degrees away from. There's no six degrees of separation in Buffalo. It's like one and a half to two at most. <laughs> yeah. At most, really. So, so how did you get uh, involved with Laszlo? And before that, when you were talking about how you met up with those guys, yeah. So uh, they would have a, a month or Monday night improv uh, down at Frizzy's, and we would go see them every Monday. And I just got hooked. Like starting to go to those shows every Monday, no matter what. Uh, after Frizzy's, they moved up to McGarrett's at uh, uh, Corner Bidwell in Elmwood. Um, they did that for a while. Um, for a while, they had uh, Monday night at uh, Hardware in the front window. Um, I I can't really lay claim to this because I'm sure there's somebody else, but I swear I've seen Laszlo probably more than any other person <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> if, now you're if in you the band. weren't in the band. And, um, yeah, just, just associating myself with them, started hanging out at their practice space. Uh, we used to practice in the back of Hotel Lafayette, which is now one of their grand ballrooms. And wow. Yeah. (laughs) I would. (laughs) When was this? (laughs) Uh, this was, uh, when did the Pacer EP come out? Uh, 2005 i think 2006 <laughs> now look at it yeah yeah so we uh we would go there and just record and i would be hanging out and i had my my sequencer and they were like super interested because it had a lot of knobs and it had a screen on it and a lot of buttons and they're like what can you do with that thing and i started like showing them what it could do so a, a bunch of the ideas that i had on there actually made it into a couple Lazo songs so I have like co-writing credits early on with the band. Um, I had done a bunch of improv shows with them. Uh, they are really kind of got me into improv music, which is like my most favorite. If I, if I could sit and play improv every night, that would, that's all I would want to do. And I officially joined the band in 2010 when they asked me to. Uh, I was in it for like two and a half years. Uh, at that point, I, I kind of went into a bad mental mental state. Um, I had some some relationship stuff <laughs> happen that just really threw me down a hole, and it sucked at the time, but whatever. Um, I rejoined in 2015-ish, and uh, we've been writing a bunch of stuff. Uh, we had decided that, and this sucks for any original music in in the area, that cover nights are what unfortunately pays the bills for bands. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a tragedy, but I think... Uh, that's what we got that's what we have to do so we were reformed uh we learned in rainbows in its entirety the radiohead record um we sold out uh buffalo ironworks which was crazy because i i had to turn awesome i had to turn friends away they were like dude can i get him i'm like i I can't help you i'm sorry you should have gotten your tickets the fire marshal yeah yeah Yeah. fire marshal's outside (laughs) exactly (laughs) they're telling us we can't dance yeah (laughs) 
so yeah, it's it's been good. We've we've had the same practice space since shit almost a decade now on Franklin Street. And that's and like I couldn't tell you how many practice spaces we borrowed as a band. You know, like yeah. those just come and go, man. Right. It is like see you later. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so that's success. That's a little bit of success. A lot of hustle. Just having a practice space in Buffalo is a success for a band. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you're right. Right. I mean, absolutely. You talk about evolving in music. You go from punk rock to probably, I'm going to say, the best jam band in Western New York. Yeah, I mean that that's that. It's not that bizarre to me because uh, it's like you said earlier. What's around you? What you what you're being influenced by, and that's what your buddies were in, but. That's got to be a little bit of a change. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it it's interesting because you, when you're hanging out with another band and you ca- catch like like offhanded comments from like your band members that you're in, like, why are you hanging out with that band? Like, <laughs> They're not like us. I'm like, well, listen, I'm I'm just a I'm just a fan of music, really. That's, I, I don't know. I I did my own thing for a while. I I made instrumental hip hop stuff that is whatever yeah. i hate i hate it's it it's out now. there it's a, it's out there yeah yeah it's it's yeah. a time in my life and whatever like you you go from being a fast f- fucking hardcore punk band like beastie boys and then you start and you're like at the impetus of like white boy rap culture like <laughs> yeah. that's like it's crazy yeah so it's yeah it, it, i'm I mean, listening to Waylon jennings now i yeah. never thought i'd ever fucking right. listen to that but like it, it it i think it it it's all based in what you're listening to at home so all the guys in the bc boys are super avid record collectors they don't care what it is they'll just they'll get off on anything mm-hmm. i i love listening to a whole whole breadth of stuff so for me to play it is is almost less important than what i'm actually listening to and enjoying myself it's I, it's just fun to, to play it live sometimes well, and see them live June 12th, live at Larkin, Lazo Hollyfeld, and you're also in another band, um, TV Mountain. Talk yeah. about TV Mountain a little bit. Gosh, so uh, TV Mountain is kind of a, a reformation of uh, a band we used to be in um, in 2007 called The Locks. Um, uh, Mark Nazowitz, who I had mentioned before, who who owns and runs uh, Harvest Some Studios, um, kind of inactive at this moment, um, but... He had produced a lot of uh, really important records in indie music in the mid two thousands in Buffalo. Um, Wasn't so, Besnio through them? Yeah, Besnio yeah. through them. Uh, Roger Bryan, the old and the Orphans, uh, who, as a band collectively, were the old Sweethearts. So uh-huh. the old Sweethearts being just the Mohawk regulars, um, Mohawk Place regulars. Um, the guys in TV Mountain are three original members of the old Sweethearts. Um, they're also two of the members of an old band I was in called the locks. So it's this, this collective of musicians called harvest. Some everybody's met in each other's bands over the years. So this is just another iteration of a band that we were in 10 years ago. (laughs) You've got Uh, quite the musical tree. (laughs) How many albums have you put out? Uh, personally, I'm just, what, how many have you been on? Uh, God, uh, I don't know. I, That's I, impressive to not yeah, know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, every, we we all we all try to play on each other's records. Like that's that's kind of the the point of being in like a, a collective of, of musicians. And I'm I'm still like hanging out with guys I've hung out with for the last fifteen years. I think that's pretty cool. And we're all we're all still actively in loving and playing music together, which is really cool. And you were. Uh, talking about you were just in a venue yeah. recently that you uh, is so changed to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, today I, I set foot in what was the most important music venue for me being Sound Lab, uh, Big Orbit Sound Lab downtown. Yeah. At 110 Pearl, uh, which is now Sato, Sato Brew Pub. Um, so I walked in the front door, which I never used the front door. I always had a key. I, <laughs> I was went in the back door. It was the most important venue for me um, because it, it, that's where all of my connections were made. Uh, a in the beer industry, B in the music industry. And that's all that really matters to me. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you picked up tons of skills. Like you just, yeah. it just seems like you touch something, you pick up the skill and you run with it. And now it's like all, 
It's like how Jimbo is with coaching. I always bring it back. Oh. It's how he's it's how he stays in with his game. Yeah. You know, he coaches because he, he likes to stick with his game. It seemed like you're sticking with your game here. Yeah, and it, I think there's something to be said about consistency. Uh, I think it defines you as a person. Like, if you're, if you're able to stick with something for a long time, it shows, shows strong character. Um, people who, uh, from a bank who, get, who are looking at giving you a mortgage, they're like, holy shit, you've been in the same job for the last how long? Yeah. How <laughs> the fuck old are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was I was at uh, Sato Brew Pub today for for lunch, and it was my first time setting foot back in a place that I hadn't been in four or five years. Um, they closed down. They were uh, they were kind of a off the beaten path music venue for acts that you would not ever want in like a regular <laughs> music venue. It, it shouldn't say never. You want, just get people home. Yeah, it was, it was like a homeless shelter. It was <laughs> it was a home for the freaks and weirdos and the shows that you you would go see people playing drums with their feet and like would be like the old Continental, yeah. in a way, it, your yeah. own yeah version in a way. The I I missed the Continental. I played some really awesome <laughs> shows there. Uh, I saw some amazing shows there. Um, the the one thing I do remember about the Continental is that a very early iteration of Sleeping Kings of Iona. We opened up for Sting's son. <laughs> yes. yes. Does he have one fucking name too? He has. What's the, his name? Uh, Stung? No, no. Uh, it's uh, Sumner is his last name. I forget his his first his first name. But uh, the band was called Fiction Plane. They played the Continental twice. Um, it was it was weird because you're like you're talking to you're essentially talking to a young version of Sting. It's super <laughs> super strange. Yeah, Sound Lab, Sound Lab was huge, important, and I, I miss that place dearly. Um, all the people who are still, uh, I guess, we're still friends on Facebook, but we don't <laughs> see each other in person much anymore. Uh, so. Changing of the times, yeah. isn't it, Chris Gross? Yeah. So we got the rock and roll. Now he is the brand, the brand manager at Community Beer Works. You got us some beer in front of us. I got the Whale Brown Ale. Yep. We got uh, that IPA. That IPA. IPA. Tell yeah. us what you're doing with Community Beer Works nowadays. So my my official title there is uh, brand manager. We also everybody has uh, secondary titles. My secondary title is general enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there there really there really isn't anything in that space that uh, I mean there. We we stopped general build out and there's a bunch of stuff that we still needed to do. So like all the electrical was plumbed, all the, the all the fire suppression was done. We we can't touch any, any of that. That's all for licensed contractors. So any like any of the the aesthetic stuff. So um, I mean it's not under my brand manager title, but um, I built our draft system. So it's a 114 foot run from a cooler all the way in the back of the building up and down behind the bar um i designed and built the draft boards um i maintain all of the 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 slides you you just have to see it um, yeah all the slides for all the beers that go on um the the back bar is all full copper um it's it's just a really uh neat system i guess um but other other stuff that i do uh just maintain the website i i design all of our beer cans um i design our posters our social media posts are done by mike uh mike west so um him and i work super duper close together he's our social media manager and director of photography so he does all the video stuff um he does a lot of the uh the social media like uh banner designs um but i essentially build build templates for him to use if if i can't get to him um i am essentially like a, a we need to maintain an image um through community beer works and i maintain that image across the board so be it it across from somebody sending us a review on google or yelp or whatever you decided to review us on um it's it's just about keeping something consistent across the board building a message in what we do as a brewery. So we do, we do way more stuff than just brew beer 
put it in a can and sell it. So we do. We are host to dozens of uh, non-for-profit giving events every year. Um, we held a. Uh, we sent a check to for forty five thousand dollars to the Gord Downey Fund. Wow. Like two years ago. Wow. That. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That is. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and that's that's shit we do that nobody else does. And you don't really hear it. it right. It's not. Yeah, like I would have never heard bragging. of it. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. yeah. Well. Western New York, thanks you for that. Yeah, yeah the uh, the the whole the whole the whole giving strategy it's it's built into the name of the brewery. So people ask like, hey, what is, what is Community Beer Works like? Is it a home brewing collective? Is it a beer store? I don't know what it is because it doesn't say brewery in the name. Right. So it's it's kind of a, a pause in the name Community Beer Works or Community Beer Works. So. There's, wow, there's okay. a bit, there's, it's, it's, it's well thought out. Um, yeah, it is. And how do you manage to get that kind of money together? Uh, fundraising efforts. Really? Uh, the, it was the famous tragedy that was in Larkinville for, for the last hip show. Um, it was kind of a, kind of a crap show for the, the AV section of it. A lot of people were upset about it, but we doubled down and did what was right and gave, uh, the fund an insane amount of money for for a brewery of our size who made maybe 600 barrels of beer that year yeah maybe wow. it's it's a lot of money for a very very small company to give to a charity yeah i'm, so, I'm shocked chris yeah, yeah i had no idea yeah <laughs> so we we're, we're we're organizers in in that sense um our pilsner that we have called let's go pills uh, obviously it's a play on let's go bills um, if you didn't pick up on that and your mind's just completely blown right now, awesome. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we're like, we're, we want a beer that people obviously want to tailgate with. Um, there was, uh, our hashtag on the can was pills mafia. Um, it's, we, we own that trademark. Uh, we do. Um, Good so idea. any variant of that, uh, is not really legit. Um, so if you're, if you're, if you're using it, you have to ask <laughs> us permission to. Um, we're we're nice enough guys that yeah we let stuff slide. It's a community. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we partnered with the Andre Reed Foundation, Reed with Reed. So a portion of uh, all of our all of our can sales goes to the Andre Reed Fund, uh, the Reed with Reed eighty three. So um, helping kids who are less fortunate learn how to read. Um, and Andre Reed actually came to the brewery. He, we've got a bunch of photos with him. Yeah. He came. He, he loves. He loves us, and he is. He is an advocate for community beer works in Buffalo. Wow. Oh, that's really well, cool. that's another reason to go out yeah. and buy some of uh, your local beers. I mean, yeah. Uh, Chris Groves designed a can for Christ's sake. Yep. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a, a hall of famer. He's a hall of famer. Yeah. yeah. To have that, to have a hall of famer on yeah. on your side, especially in Buffalo for the Bills, like, in, as diehard as everybody is, Andre Reed's the man. And in opening that business, like that's like a t that was a ton of stuff. I mean, you guys were right across from Santa Saros for all those years, mm -hmm. and now you guys made a big move. Or are you guys still in both locations? Uh, well, we 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 do have our main location that's been open since August third of this past year. So I mean, we're just in the new year right now, so it's still weird to say last year. Uh -huh. um, but that was six years coming. So in two th April 2012, CBW opened. They were the first brewery to open after Flying Bison. Right. So there was a big lull from 2000 when Flying Bison opened to 2012. Like nobody opened a brewery. Wow. And then CBW opened. And then from 2012 until now, there's, what, 30 Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's really hyper competitive. Is the pie growing for the draft or is it? Are the slices getting smaller? You like that one, Mark? <laughs> I think uh, I think the pie is growing, honestly, because I think more people are interested in drinking uh, more flavorful beer. Um, I really don't think it, it, people have to use the term craft beer to to differentiate it from from something else. At what? Yeah, but at what point is it just a beer? Like, I, well, at, that that right? That's the point I want to make. Yeah. Is that we craft beer? If you will, in quotes, has been around long enough. It's been been around since I don't late nineties. Like, yeah. let's stop calling it craft beer. Let's just call it beer. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. So we're we're at a point that when 
I'll just say it again. Craft beer had its first, like, or the second get-go in the early 2000s. Like, you're, like, 18 years old now. Right. Like, like are, are you, you're, yeah, you're 18 years old. I had my first beer when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, seriously, when, when, when you're sitting there and you're like, God, I want to steal a beer from my dad or, or my mom or whatever, <laughs> like, more than likely, there's going to be some more sort of, like, alternate flavor in the fridge yeah I, I had a i had a hot carlsberg in bob hofstetter's uh cottage in crystal beach like that was my first beer we would sorry bob i'm sorry bob's parents but we would we would legit steal cans of beer from his parents when they went to the beach and we would stash them in the ceiling in his bedroom in his cottage in crystal beach and we would go and during the middle of the day, where are you going? I'm going to Bob's. Going to go play cards. Going to go play tennis. Going to go hang on the playground. Whatever. And we were chugging hot beer. So, <laughs> you walk down to the beach, all tipsy and hot sun. You're like, I feel really funny. Yeah. Man, so, you guys were a mainstay in the white cottages too. Yeah. How long? How many years were you guys there? Uh, twenty-one. Twenty-one years. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so you? Does your family have the sign? Yeah, we yeah, we have we have the no uh no coolers, no dogs, no ice, no no whatever. You got no, that sign? No new yeah. no, no, oh, like yeah. from Crystal Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, a good man. snack. Yeah, it's, that's that's hanging up in my parents' cottage. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, Rushford. Yeah, okay. Rushford, yeah. Man, I just have so many good memories. Yeah. I get yeah. that. And you guys were the only reason I was ever there. It was like, we were poor. Yeah. Fuck. We were poor too. <laughs> yeah, you guys that's, just made the most of it, I guess. That's <laughs> that's the funny thing is like I I talk to people and you could afford these things, even if you were like, even if your mom, my mom worked for the Buffalo Police Department. My dad worked for Triad Distributing. They're not lawyers. They're not doctors. They're not making bank. They were just smart about where they spent their money. And they were, they were able to rent for four months of the year a small two-bedroom cottage and fit seven people oh my in God. It. it. Yeah. <laughs> more, more all the time. Yeah. All the time yeah. more people. Yeah. Bring, come on. Bring, bring all Everybody. your friends here. Mm-hmm. All, it is, uh, it, all it is is a place to sleep. That's it. So you're you're out of the cottage the the entire day. So that's that's all it exists for is is sleeping at night. You and your brother Kevin, I love your brother Kevin. Uh, he, you guys wanted to do this homebrew thing. Like you guys went hardcore. Yeah, we went way into it. And now like it all coming to fruition, and you get to actually do what you want. This is this is this is your dream. It yeah I guess um, <laughs> you really are living your dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm having yeah. fun doing it, but. Yeah, uh, Kevin and I went went super hardcore into it. We had we had like, let's do this as as a real thing. Let's start a business. I thought you guys were and in it. I thought it was done. No, no, <laughs> uh, we ha- we haven't touched the system in God like three years. So we we built like a fully automated electric brewing system in his basement. Of course you did. And yes, we did. <laughs> we we dumped we dumped probably three grand into this thing, wow. and it was it it made good beer, but. Um, I guess I just came to the realization I didn't want to be a brewer because it's like ninety percent cleaning. <laughs> and there, there's 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 some sort of like tinkly glory about like oh you brew the beer like well yeah I'm actually just a janitor I'm a, I'm a yeast janitor. <laughs> <laughs> so, janitor. It wasn't yeah. as glorious as he thought. No, no. It's Chris Chris Groves, he, he plays the gig. He don't sweep up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it's it it it's hard work it really is and there are i found out a lot of people did it a lot better than we did and it's it it's it was too much work i guess um and kevin's got two little beautiful little girls who he has to take care of and like the brewing process is a full day and to take him away from his family like hey and I know I'm in the basement brewing <laughs> beer, but I can't like I can't come deal with the screaming. Yeah, child. yeah he's a he's a family yeah. guy. So. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, you set up that whole system there. What was the knowledge that crossed over, and what would be some uh, things besides don't be a home brewer? But what would you tell people who are home brewing? What would be some tips? What would be some things that you'd let them know? Uh, well. If you're going to start a brewery, you're an idiot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I, I would, mean, it's saturated, but to make it at home for fun. No, to make it at home for fun. And I hold on. Let me let me go okay, off. Yeah, let go me ahead, go off go on ahead, the idiot too, ahead. because uh, you. <laughs> Ryan's you? totally laughing over it. No, it 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 does it does take some sort. It does take a, a certain level of idiocy to start any business. 
right. and actually go through with it. So that's that's my that's my point. Moreover, is that there's there's a certain craziness you have to have to to start a business and make it thrive and believe in people and hiring people and making making your dream actually what you want and kind of steer steering your way through all of everything you have to go through of like finding a space and like finding capital and like let's just call it like two to three million dollars to start up a business like do you want to be in that kind of debt is that really the (laughs) kind of debt level you're comfortable with like what are your student loans like right now (laughs) are you comfortable with that probably not so that's that's where i bring idiocy idiocy into it like Everybody can have a hobby and have a lot, a lot of fun with it. And I, that's what I did. I, I, I really loved brewing. It just, I, I was doing it more for work too. And then I was like, oh, b- beer is all I do. So um, it, it became essentially like a little more of a job too, where it starting home brewing, think about, do you really want to turn your hobby into your job? A lot of people are like, yeah. Yeah, of course I do. But I'm the person who turned my hobby into my job. I'm fortunate enough to say, yeah, I, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that I really, really love what I'm doing, but I'm not brewing. Yeah. I'm not home brewing. Right. I, it seems like you're giving the brewers a lot of credit then, too. Our, our, our beers have won. We won a World Beer Cup for one of our beers, which is over 8,000 entries from the entire world. Wow. So we won a bronze and historical beer style for uh, our pantomime horse, Adam Beer. And that is insane. No brewery around here has won a World Beer Cup award. Wow. So it's, I mean, I should say, tighten that up into the Buffalo region. So for us to win that is huge. We won Best IPA in New York State last year with Interrobang. Um and who are the guys that who are the guys that uh, started it? So uh, it was originally a collective of seven original owners who started CBW. Uh, the idea really spawned in about 2010 through 11. It was ramp up. 2012, you open. Um, but that started with seven people. Um, two of those seven are our current owners. So Ethan Cox is one of my very good friends. I actually used to co-host a beer podcast with him. Wow. Yes, ah. called Craft Beer Talk. Well, you have the gift, just <laughs> no, so you're you know. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we ran 110 episodes. We were actually on AM radio for a little while, on 12.30 AM before they uh, just switched format overnight and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> for real. They for real did that. Our, uh, our buddy Nick Mandola was the third host. Uh, oh yeah, Nick. Yeah, the yep. soccer guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he was uh, he was the third third leg, um, and uh, our good friend and uh, chief getter dunner uh, Chris Smith. So uh, he's also a South Buffalo guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Smith is uh, our COO and just guy who does all the stuff. Ethan <laughs> is Ethan does all the things. Chris does all the stuff. So what's the future for beer like in Buffalo? Future's bright. It really is. Um, I think we have a lot of people who are interested in diversifying their palates. Um, there's there's a lot of people who are are going to drink Labatt until they die. Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to drink Bud and Jenny until they die, and I have no problem with that. Right. That's great. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to turn those people off of what they're used to. I think we're looking to uh, maybe be like the icing on the cake or like a. Hey, I, I sneak a I sneak a six pack yeah. of this. I like kind of cheat on my Jenny, if I will. But but still stick with Jenny because you know what I love Jenny. Jenny Me Cream too. Al- Jenny Cream Ale is my go to beer. I buy a whole shit ton of Jenny. So it's really changing the the bar industry. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah, because you used to have a guy sit there for six hours and drink forty beers. Yeah, they can't do it with these things. No, no, and you can't. And there's there's two points I want to make on that. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, of really, um, I I just call them unsafe beers. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I call like it liquid, terminology liquid yeah. heroin. Yeah, it <laughs> is like you get you get people you get people hooked on what uh, what a hop uh, profile tastes like in a beer, like a really good IPA. That's all they ever want to drink yeah. is IPAs. Give me an IPA. I'm an IPA guy. <laughs> well, what did you What did you drink before uh, Miller Lite? Yeah, but that's cool. That's fine. I get that. I, I've I've been huge in IPAs for a while. I'm not so much right now, but I, I go through waves on it. 
Um, the other portion of it that I always I always wanted to talk about, and we we tell we touched on this a little bit in, uh, in the, our craft beer talk podcast, was that um, there's a lot of responsibility around consuming high al- alcohol beers, and uh, there was a lot of beer salesmen who have to go around and hawk beers that are like eight nine percent, and you're expected to have one of them with your bar owner or, or beer buyer at the bar and it's it can be a heavy lift for somebody to drive a vehicle around yeah, and right. consume a bunch or of beer walk. It's, yeah exactly any 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 sort of relationship you have with higher alcohol beers is like yeah it's 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 a questionable gray area um and there, there's been a bunch of studies and uh a bunch of salesmen have actually like written really in-depth articles about how being a beer salesman today versus beer salesman 25, 30 years ago. My dad was a beer salesman for 20 years. Wow. He, w- he, he ran almost every route in the entire city at one point or another. Um, I think his last route was South Buffalo route. And then he, he quit drinking in 1989. Uh, he, he gave up in May of, I think it was May 20th, he told me, of 1989. He quit drinking, smoking, same day, cold turkey. Uh, and people develop habits like bad habits with it and it becomes a disease. So alcoholism is a disease. It's the thing that the craft beer industry doesn't want to talk about because we're not like, yeah, stop drinking our beer because it's bad for you. Right. Yeah. But like, maybe it's like have one. Yeah. But, (laughs) but drink more of our beer because we have to make money. Like there's, there's this like this weird, this rub between like promoting responsibility and promoting having a good time and drinking more beer. Yeah. Like it's, it's, how, how I'm I'm trying personally trying to like deal with like how how do you marry that message in in your in your brand? And the, right. the other thing that's changed is a lot of these breweries now have their own brick and mortar yeah. where they have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. What I've noticed is for these salesmen to sell their product to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That that's been that's been coming up a lot. I've been hearing a lot about that lately. Yeah. That well, are you going to buy my hot sauce? Or are you gonna buy my this recipe? Why should I buy your beer? You know what right. I mean? There's right. there's been there's been some arguments there. I've heard. Yeah, I've 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 heard that too. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's a, a relationship that you have that you have to develop carefully with someone. Um, find a relationship with with somebody. Find find that second degree of 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 connection that you have with someone yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah. Hey, you're a business owner. You know what? I'm I'm a part of a business too. Like we're small, you're small. Let's get along. Like let's not be jerks about it. So, mm-hmm. um, there's uh, yeah, there there's a there's a million different ways to sell beer. Yeah. So, I think people got to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I think, that, I think community beer works has their guy. No, I I think they do. And gone are the days where remember the days when you'd have six ice beers and you'd say, but I really had twelve. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or so I, now you you could say that about the whale. You know, yeah. I only had six, but it was six, it was six whales, Marky. Yeah. You know, or or I drank half a bottle of Sazerac last night. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't. Um, yeah. So I I've been participating, and it's been on record that uh, I tried I tried my hardest, my damnedest, this January to give up booze for a month, and almost made it. I almost made it, but <laughs> it's. It's extra hard for me being around it all day. Yeah, uh, that's which is, days? but it's great. Great days? beer. We have the wet, what are what do we have here? Yeah, so the the two beers I brought down, uh, we have the Whale Brown Ale, uh, which won us uh, best brewery in New York State uh, with the Whale um, last year at the uh, I'm sorry, two years ago at the New York State Beer Awards, um, which is run by the uh, New York State Brewers Association. Um, this oddly enough is our lead brand. We sell more brown ale than anything. Wow. Uh, I think other breweries do way better with IPA. Big Ditch has a phenomenal IPA, uh, Hayburner. That's uh-huh. their number one brand. Yeah. yeah. That is a majority of their production. Um, what's the one from Thin Man? Minky Boodle? Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, I forget exactly, exactly the style of it, but, um, yeah, they do. They do. Rudy does great beers. Um, yeah, who are the brewers in Buffalo? Who's who, who do you go see? What who's your guy? I 
Our our guy, uh, we actually have two guys and a lady. Um, okay. So Ryan Demler is our director of brewing ops. Um, he's my neighbor. Uh, he lives a block over and like four blocks up. The fun thing about CBW is that everybody who works at the brewery lives within like half a mile of the brewery. It's a community. So, it's a community. Yeah, yeah, we. It's a real community. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're in a business and we are we live and work where we or we work where we live, I think it we we take pride in it a little bit more, right? Than uh, building Definitely. building elsewhere, but. Uh, Ryan Demler is our uh, director of brewing ops. Uh, Mr. Robert Turley is our head brewer. And uh, <coughs> sorry, sorry, just have to catch my breath. Yeah, I, I'm talking excessively. <laughs> and uh, Jeannie, Al- Jeannie Alexander is our uh, our other head brewer. Um, so she she's on uh, the cover of buffalo spree like two months ago uh oh, cool. so they did a feature on her which is really cool she's a really awesome brewer um she makes one of my favorite beers on this planet called table for one mm. it's a uh a, a session uh belgian session beer i'll have to check that yeah. out yeah where can we find your products uh shit well uh we encourage you to come down and visit the brewery at 5207th street um you guys are looking at me like where's 7th street Somebody will find yeah. it. No, so, <laughs> well, um, well, well, people, we've said that, like, hey, where's 7th Street? And people are like, in Niagara Next Falls? Next to 6th? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, so, if, if, you're, if you're thinking about Niagara Street heading north, it's one block over. It parallels, it parallels Niagara Street on the west side. So, 7th runs the entire length of... Niagara up until Porter. <laughs> I'll take your word yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, he's never been to Williamsville. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's okay. It's okay. We're we're like a, a couple blocks from the Peace Bridge, a couple blocks from Deauville. It's, Perfect. Yeah, Landmarks. It's, it's it's super close to everything. Um, so that's five twenty seventh Street. Um, our other brewery, which is my office, which is the original brewery, is at fifteen Lafayette at Niagara Street. So it's like. Uh, three quarters of a mile north of our new spot our new spot has a about 1500 square foot tasting room Uh, it's a full bar Uh, we have full kitchen Um, we have a 20 barrel brew house Uh, we have front back front patio back patio Um, we will soon have a 60 spot uh, parking lot to the left of our building Um, we have capacity for about 5,000 barrels a year Holy uh, shit. which is cool, which is essentially five times bigger than we used to be. Uh, the The system we run on, right, we're running on, so we stepped up from a barrel and a half system to a 20-barrel system. So a barrel is essentially two half kegs of beer. Wow. So we were brewing three ke- three half kegs of beer at a time. And now that's a whole day? It's Yeah, it's a six, seven-hour process. Whole. To a uh, 40 half keg so we went from three to forty, like in one swoop. But we chose to uh, we chose to go all American stainless, which a lot of people go Chinese stainless because it's a lot of. Are you the only cheaper. American made steel? No. Who else? Uh, uh, Hamburg, I believe. Just because they love America. Uh, Gordon Biersch is. A lot of people forget about Gordon Biersch uh, out at the mall, but they make all their own beer too, um, and they do a really really fine job at it. <laughs> I have all of all of the brewers in Bu- in Buffalo are all like we're all part of a network of like it, it's like musicians. Everybody talks to each other. We're, we're like a big collective. What do you think about the king of beers nosing his round in that network, offering people money for their their breweries? I heard that's happening. Oh yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, people cave. I mean, oh millions. Yeah, I mean, everybody's ha- everybody has to have an exit strategy. You don't want, you don't want to want to work to the rest rest oh, of your life so yeah. i get it um people call it selling out i think other people call it an exit strategy <laughs> yeah I, I i think you're right yeah uh I, I can't say i wouldn't i wouldn't sell out i've i've worked my entire adult life to get where i am right now and if somebody offered me a bunch of money to do it who knows yeah who cares like just because your fans are gonna get a little po'd about it um that's that's my it's not it's not the it's not cbw stance 
it's my personal stance. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> right. um, I do speak for the brewery. Um, we, we, we haven't considered it. Nobody's, nobody's been sniffing our butts. <laughs> which Perfect. Is, and if, if they did, it's not, my, it's not my call. It really isn't. It's not his call, Marky. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys do all that charity work, and I hope yeah. you don't. I hope if if anything, that just stays, you know. And uh, that was we, we appreciate it. Yeah. We, yeah. Well, we found out a lot about Chris Groves today. Oh, you did. And you can find Laszlo Hollyfeld and TV Mountain on Bandcamp. Yeah. You can see Laszlo June 12th at Live at Larkin. Chris Groves, you are now listening to talk. Thanks for stopping by. Bro. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, dudes. Just outside the lines of the world Everything is moving in reverse And you and me just hang around Waiting for the daylight to move on It's a bitter holiday Waiting for us up ahead And I've been trying to stay Ben, License to Talk. Find our most recent episode on our website at www.jcislt.com.